Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Podditors, and Happy New Year. I'm finally giving you part two of Adulting Live, why we need to stop apologising with Scotty and Shah, recorded at the Boulevard Theatre in Soho. It's the end of our conversation, and we also open up the floor to some questions, and I hope you really enjoy it. At one point, I say I'm rich. I didn't mean to say rich, although obviously it's all relative, so I definitely am rich in some cases of the word, but what I actually meant to say was posh. Um, I just thought it sounded really brash and wanted to correct myself, but also didn't want to edit it out. Uh, please hope you enjoy it. That didn't make any sense. I have another live uh, going up as well from the 15th of December when I spoke to Kachenga and Catherine Gray about sobriety. So keep your eyes peeled. That will be going up soon too. Bye. I think mental health has come in forward in swathes in the last few years. Even one of the most helpful things anyone ever said to me was Charlie Cox, who said, we all have mental health and some people suffer from mental illness. But much like physical health, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And that was the best explanation I've ever heard because it meant that we're all... Because I find it really weird when people are like, oh, I have mental health. <clears throat> and you're like, mental health, what? what? The, <laughs> yeah. the mental health. <laughs> yeah. Um, how have you guys come to becoming more unapologetic and more understand it because I've recognized especially one of the biggest things for me is not stepping into a place where I talk about mental health when I really don't have I felt anxious I feel down I do not have depression I don't have anxiety I don't really have any jurisdiction in the conversations around mental health so if you would be happy to open the floor on those things I would love to hear ways that you've overcome feeling like it's something which you need to be silent about I think um Initially, it was really hard for me to talk about or for me to even go to the doctors to be diagnosed. Um, I did a speak. I did a speak. I did a panel for um, the charity Shout uh, last week or the week before. And I basically explained that I felt like it was a lot harder to even reach out for help because, like I was saying earlier, like I'm seen to be strong. I'm seen to like just have thick skin and know how to deal with everything because I've received microaggressions every single day. So it's just like, I'm just used to being seen to be strong. So for me to then actually be like, do you know what? I am suffering right now. So first of all, it took me a while to even get to the doctors and there was like a lot of shame around being diagnosed with depression. Um, but then I found that once, um, I started taking the tablets and stuff and realized I was actually getting better and it was helping me that there shouldn't be a stigma around mm. getting help for your mental health um, and for your bad mental health. And I basically started speaking about it more online. And once I realized that there were other people that were going through the same thing, it's like the same thing with everything. It helped me and being able to talk about it in my work and being able to show, for example, like other young black women that might be going through because the facts show that like there's more of more black people going through it than do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just like if they can see themselves represented in that, oh, this is actually happening to other people. I always just say whatever I post on my Instagram, if it helps at least one person, yeah. 
like then it's enough for me. Mm. Um, so I think talking about it and making it more normal um, definitely helped. And it helped me to even, for example, if I can't meet up with a certain friend, if they know and I just say, look, I'm really low today, I don't have to explain it anymore. And it helped me with being unapologetic about the fact that I have depression and sometimes yeah. I just don't want to leave my bed. So I think people people are more able to be empathetic once they kind of have a level of understanding. And if, for me, being diagnosed and being able to say, look, I have depression, I'm low today. It's like, okay, like take your time, take your space. And then it kind of helped. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I, th I only... <clears throat> excuse me clear my voice because emotional moment no not at all just clear my voice <laughs> um i only came out uh, as being uh, mental uh, this year and of course classic me came out in scarlet curtis's new book it's not okay to be blue uh, and other lies um <laughs> like why couldn't i just like do a soft launch why couldn't i just be like <laughs> guys <laughs> There's this stuff um, because I'd been I've only this year started going into therapy and using therapy and receiving help for that because I think um, and this is again you know class bingo bing uh, it was totally related to my class um, because I'm used to performing wellness used to having to perform like that I'm okay to like keep stuff at home settled performing that I'm okay mm. to be able to like keep on the capitalist like wheel and earning money and I for Scarlett's book um wrote about how when we're having these conversations now about the mental health um that often what we would see from a mental health awareness week mental health awareness month um that uh, uh, there's a parity of mental health, that we all, if you experience depression, we all experience depression in the same way. And what I w wanted to bring to that book was to say, I'm not robbing anyone of their depression, but what I'm saying is there are other factors that will play that will mean reaching the help that I needed mm. meant that I could only get it when I was 33. Whereas people who perhaps have the money and the privilege, and Scarlett has been very forward in talking about having the, the privilege of being able to access the care that Scarlett needed very, very quickly, mm. um, means that actually you can live with this stuff for a very long, long time. Mm. Uh, and I really welcome the conversations that were like, as, as funny as it is where we're talking about the me mental elves that m most people have, and you know, that like, uh, or the shorthand of like, oh, I'm feeling a bit sad because I lost 25 Instagram people. So uh, <laughs> I've got mental health. Um, as, as silly as that sounds, I'm really glad that it's coming into the our um, vernaculars, mm. that it is coming into the way that we talk about things, that it's okay that if you work with someone that they're taking a duvet day, and we don't need to go into like, oh, what type of mental are they? It's just like, it's really okay to start to have these conversations. And often I hate that chat, where it's okay to be depressed. Um, but I'm grateful uh, that I've been able to come out and um, now then, again, now shout her on the phone. Like people want you to be like, like be, be mental in public. <laughs> Sorry, I just asked you to see that. No, 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 no. I, think, I think it's good. But yeah. it, is, it is a question about like um, how we, we are mental and public and then also like what happens when we need to step away from that or, or not be a role model for that. Mm. Totally. Well, that was actually my next thing I was going to talk about boundaries because you briefly just brought up how 
when you want to see a friend or something you've learned that you can actually say, do you know, what? I don't want to come tonight and not because my sister's dog's cat ate her goldfish, but actually just because maybe you just don't want to go. And that might be for whatever reason. But generally, if you don't want to go somewhere, it's probably because of something that's going on in your mind that makes you not want to go. And I think setting up boundaries moves in every circle, whether that's your friendships, your relationships. With work, I found that Dolly and Pandora spoke about this on the high-low once, and I found it really interesting because it's definitely something I did. Women as writers often feel like confessional literature is the best way to move forward. So the best currency you have is to divulge every minutia of your life because it's such a hook for other people to get into. And I really got into that and I realized that even with social media at the beginning, like doing fitness influencing, you get better engagement if you're showing your body. And like that would feel normal. But then I actually think, what's my boundary around like that? What do I want to do that? And those kind of things, just stepping back and recognizing that sometimes just because something might open a door for you, it doesn't mean that that's the route you have to go. And it doesn't matter how many boundaries you put up, there's going to be another route. Like it will always, you'll always find a way out of that maze. It just won't be through the way that you thought it would. I don't know if that isn't mm. an, I need to apologizing for literally the whole way through this podcast. Um, but with boundaries, is that something that you've become, this is really recent for me, boundary stuff. I don't know about you guys. Is that something that you've learned? Because I think that's the final apology is kind of going, do you know what? This is me. These are what I'm happy to do. This is what I'm happy to talk about. I think once you cover those, you really can start to feel safer in your own self. Yeah, I think boundaries are really important and I didn't actually... I've learned about them recently as well and probably through floss. Mm. Um, just being like, actually, you don't, you don't owe anyone anything and no one else owes you anything either. Um, I think that's like a major thing that I realised and then especially when it came to my mental health, um, putting in boundaries and just being like, I actually don't have the capacity to go to this event or to see this person or so, but what's the point? If you don't want to do it, you don't do it. It's like, for example, um, this might be a bad example, but like the other day, me and my friend were going to go, um, I think we we're going to go around to our friends. And I was like, are you putting on makeup? And she's like, I don't know, are you putting on makeup? And I'm like, do you want to put on makeup? Do we want to put on? No, we don't want to put on makeup. We don't want to perform pretty today. So let's not put on makeup. It's kind of like just realizing that you don't have to mm. just because it's like, just because it's normal to. So I think just because you've been um, invited to something, it doesn't mean you have to go. Yeah. If you don't have the capacity to go, don't go. And I think putting in the boundaries and just making sure that you only do things when you know you can do things or in every sense, like you said, it's in friendships, it's in relationships, it's in work, it's in everything. I think boundaries are so important to mm. exercise. And it's hard at first, obviously, but you will only ever get the best out of a situation if you practice your boundaries. Yes. I find it, um, strangely uh, and uh, absurdly, I find it very hard to advocate for myself. Um, uh, give me a whole b like a bunch of kids that like I want to get into the arts and support. Yeah, great, can do that easy. I can advocate for other people really easy. As soon as I need to go, I need some time off. I find it very difficult. So uh, we came up with a formula when I'm touring, um, which is a show parent, and they tour with me and they advocate for me without my consultation. So they'll say it's six o'clock. It's time that Scotty has to leave. 
safe. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, this is great. So it means like I'm, I'm being looked, looked out for. Yeah. And um, it's about looking back at the industry, largely when I'm making theatre work that, that this is in place, that we're saying like, if you want this sort of work that's going to do this sort of thing to the artist, you need to understand that there needs to be support and care mm. afterwards. Mm. Um, and so we have check-ins. We talk about my body, my brain, where I'm at, expectations. Um, and, the, and, and that I found really useful. But that only came through another artist who, who, like, we communicate our boundaries are when we are feeling really, like, heavy or, like, stuff is going on in our brains. We communicate through emojis or top fives. So it's like, okay, top five mystique songs of all time. And <laughs> it's just a way of talking to each other without having to go, I'm feeling this, mm. that and the other. It's, like, completely distra- distractionary. Okay, so this is a very important one. Not doing the most, and by this I mean, again, kind of coming back to the wokeness thing, but at the minute, obviously, we brought up climate change, we brought up politics. I think there's this idea, and I think I actually am quite bad at making it seem like I try and do everything, especially in the podcast, like talking about lots of things. People will message me like, how do you know all this stuff? I'm like, oh, I don't. You literally listen to my podcast, so you hear what I specifically know on each specific thing. It's not that I know all the things. And I think we live in a world where you've got to know all the work terms. You should be vegan. You should be not driving a car and whatever, whatever the myriad of things are that you should be doing. So because I shop in charity shops, I will then get messages like, you're having a roast dinner with beef. I was like, I didn't say that I wasn't going to. And I think that we need to get better at, first of all, not looking at what other people are doing so much. Obviously, if they're being really awful, then we should speak out and call that out if we can or call it in. But I think especially with like the climate change stuff, it can get really heavy and it can make you just want to not talk about it. How Have you adopted any ways or do you come across it in your work where you feel like, God, there's a real pressure for me to be doing more, but I am, as you say, I'm at capacity mentally, emotionally with my work. I can't afford to make these changes. I think there's so many things that go into, is this something you're coming across at the minute? I literally had this conversation last night with a friend who is also an influencer. And I just feel like I've had this conversation so many times with friends who have an online presence. And I've said, I'm going to make a post about it because it just needs to be said, like social politics advocates sorry I got distracted um we're not the news no so we don't talk about we're not there to like highlight everything that should Mm. be spoken about at the time or we're literally human beings so we talk about what's important to us all the things that we talk from experience as well so I can't talk about um certain things because I'm too busy talking about all the black people that are dying in America and like all of, do you know what I mean? So it's like, I just feel like there's so much expectation on us to talk about everything because we talk about something. So Mm. because we, we have the confidence to talk about something then they feel like, okay, you need to talk about this. You need to talk about that. You need to talk about this as well. It's like, I can't talk about everything because I don't know about everything. Mm. And if I did start talking about everything, then people will be coming for me and saying, why are you just jumping on the bandwagon and talking about this when you don't actually know about it? And it's just like, I think if people put the energy that they put into telling us what we need to be talking about and just talk about it themselves or put that energy into building your own platform so you can talk about it, then it would just make more sense because you can't know about everything and talk about everything and say the right thing about everything. And someone's going to say something about it anyway. I just feel like there's too much expectation Mm -hmm. on the people that feel like they can talk out to then talk about everything and it's just impossible. Mm. 
I'm going to be quite contradictory to myself in saying that I don't think there's a bad it's a bad thing that everybody tries to do the most. Mm, yeah. Um, because it means that we're trying to acknowledge other experiences of the people mm-hmm. and the um, planet that we're living on, which I think is really important. Um, but I also don't think we need to be a representative of everything mm. as well. And as well as where I think that emotional labour shouldn't always be parked with the people that are affected by the shit, I also don't think that we should have the white saviours come in and be like, I've got this, guys, okay? Because I've read a book. Um, So it's tough. It's tough to know where to sit. I'm really okay with us feeling unsure and moving forward whilst trying to have that question in our mind. Because I think if we've got that question in our mind, what we're essentially doing is thinking about privilege and power. Mm. We're thinking about, okay, what am I able to do with my platform? What, who am I able to talk to on my platforms? And who am I not being a representing on behalf of experiences that, that don't belong to me? But what other voices can I bring up at the same time? Mm-hmm. But I think it's a really difficult one with climate, actually. I think it's really tough because yes everyone wants you to be complete everyone wants you to be the vegan um everyone wants you to like show us how to live as if you are um a spiritual leader because that's kind of the space in which influencers mm. sit at the moment they're apostles they're, um and the thing which i really love is my husband uh, once said to me because he doesn't do the internet in his words he's like are there any like working class influencers i was like what do you mean by that he's like anyone like trying to make you to swipe up into a, a food bank is anyone trying to get you to like, like, to look at their life, which isn't about mm. um, scented candles? And there's a lot of like capitalist influence, which I think is like pushing us to buy more and mm. do more, which is counter to um, climate politic. And I think it's, I do think it's okay that you feel slightly overwhelmed by environmental yeah. politic, actually, because we do have to go through a sense of grieving a bit to be like, oh, fuck, it's happened. It's not happening, it's happened. And we can see that in lots of different ways and lots of different data. I mean, even just like the like the 900 scientists across the world that like, it's happened, tick. Um, you know, like, I, I, I'm all right listening to them because I don't know, like, the ins and outs of the science. But they seem to be like quite astute on it um that that fear and that panic might motivate and generate us Mm. to a place where you do start and i know you've spoken online about um buying fast fashion it's like buying it consciously um and i wonder if without climate fear and climate panic whether we would be um like like have these conversations no, I, I don't think we would. And I think it's interesting because I do think, all right, I think in some people it promotes change. I think in other people, what it can do is if you feel like, and I don't anymore because I think I've been through this a few times, but say your friend's like, oh my God, I've cut down. I don't eat chicken anymore. And then someone's like, well, are you still eating cheese? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, well, what's the point? And they're like, oh, okay. And then they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I think that's sometimes where the conversation goes. It's not like, well done, you've done this thing. It's like, well, you've done... 0.4% of what you could be doing, so you're basically doing nothing. And that's that's the really disabling part of it, I think, for people. Um, and going back to what you were saying, I think I know what you're talking about. 
people send me and I'm sure send you both all the time things that are going on around the world which obviously I feel really awful that they're happening but they will be like you have not spoken about what's happening in Sudan Iran Palestine wherever and I'm like oh my god it is so bad but I am not a I'm not a award journalist and I, I don't also don't really know what's going on and I do want to share it but it becomes this thing of like again same with environmentalism I can't share every single atrocity that goes on in the world someone got killed not far from where I lived the other day and I wasn't talking about that like I can't talk about everything and I think there is an importance to honing in on like something you want to talk about and believing that we all together collectively can bring out the important things because I cannot share about every atrocity in the world because I would be there all day long and it doesn't mean that we don't care I think it's sometimes giving people it's everything we've spoken about it's boundaries it's recognizing where your strengths are it's realizing the privilege of being able to buy charity shop clothes because I'm straight size and I can fit in an 8 to a 16 and it doesn't really matter if you're a plus size woman or man the likelihood is you're not going to be able to buy from charity shops so that won't be your fight that is for me that's easy for me and I've got access in the time because I'm freelance you know it's like don't just look at what they're doing think about what's led someone to make that decision it might be that that's their their point of action is there Mm -hmm. and I think all of us having the empathy to think that we can all do it will then give us the release to not need to apologize if you are vegetarian like my friend who has secret chicken nuggets when she's drunk. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I think when people um, message like, why are you not talking about this? Why are you not doing something about this? It kind of feeds into the idea that if you're not talking about it, you're not doing it. Mm. So I don't think they even think about the fact that maybe you are doing things that you're not posting about, but they're just like, well, you're not talking about it, so you're not doing it. And I think that's also kind of dangerous because we need to get back to well the whole point of like doing stuff we say about like allies is like you can't just be an ally if you're shouting about it on social media Mm. what are you doing in your day-to-day and I think it's the same with messaging people like why are you not talking about this why are you not doing this it's like but you don't know what I'm actually doing and I don't actually owe it to everyone to share everything that I'm doing Mm. do you know what I mean I don't know I think sometimes it can contradict it if you are just constantly shouting about everything that you're doing as well it kind of takes away from it being genuine sometimes yeah totally i think it's Mm. nice when i do things like this and i meet people or i like do these weekenders where i bring activists across the board all together and i think oh god this is okay fine take the foot off the pedal because i know like you know i've been in rooms where i'd be like okay right you're helping the queer kids in southampton you've set up the pride in peterborough you've sorted out the arts festival in newcastle like you can sort of map it and you can like take a bit of a breath to be like okay it's not it's not you against the world mm. it's us trying to push the bullshit to the yeah. sides mm-hmm. i definitely think that can i flip this on its head because i think this is an interesting thing that ha- we see a lot online that's kind of going to be about apologizing so for instance say someone does make a racial slur or say something that's homophobic or something which is all of us can agree that kind of rhetoric should be dismantled and taken away what is the correct way? I mean, I think I know the answer, but I think we should bring it to the fore. How, when we should apologise, so I think what happens is we're apologising constantly for stuff that doesn't really matter. We'll apologise when someone else stands on our foot or when we hold the door open. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but when, when we really fuck up, we'll go, oh, I'm sorry you felt like that or I'm yeah. sorry I said that and that you were offended. And I think the irony is we're able to apologise when it means nothing, but swallowing your pride and actually apologising when you do make mistakes, which I make countless times, and I've said this so many times, but I think I was very lucky that my career started where people started to watch what I was doing at a time when I'd kind of done all my fuck-ups already. Not all of them. I will continue to make a million every week. But the ones that probably now could get me cancelled, 
I'd already done them in private. So I don't feel like I have to make that many public apologies. I don't know, I might get an email after this. Hit me <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I'm ready to apologize though. Um, how, is this something you come up against that people are unwilling, especially people from a lot of privilege, to make a real... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An apology. Yeah, I think... Yeah, it's uh, the only times I've seen it really is when, um, whenever I've spoken about white privilege, and then people have, obviously, then their white fragility comes out, and, but they won't say they'll just tell me that I'm wrong or that it doesn't exist or that I'm just an angry black woman or that I'm just moaning or they won't. I don't know. I just feel like they won't accept it and kind of. Or if people do, you know, the whole like blackface thing, like mm. people don't want to apologize for it. It's just like, oh, but that was before. And like this, I just feel like people don't want to say a real sorry, kind of like what you were saying. I feel like it's it's hard for people to make mistakes and admit that they've made a mistake and instead just get defensive, especially if they're like, if it's online, they're not face to face. They're not, they won't feel like they have to say sorry. They can just ignore it and move on or just delete your comment or mm. this, that and the other. I think it's so easy to just like brush it away if you make a mistake and just pretend it didn't happen if it's online. Um, so I feel like people are more inclined to just, their ego will just get in the way. I've seen a sort of new advanced version of um, wokeness and passive aggression come together in certain rooms. Um, and particularly when race has been spoken about, um, I've seen white folk kind of say, you know, so I'm just going to own the fact that I'm a white person and I am solely responsible for racism. And it's, and, and it's like they want this self-congratulation of for, for do, have done the work mm. and then it's done and then they can move on to the next thing. And I was in a room with a very prolific artistic director of a very large space in London, careful for libel, who came <laughs> out into a room full of queer folk and was like, I know that I'm homophobic and it's just because of the setting that I grew up in. So I'm owning that. Anyway, thanks so much for coming today. And I was like, whoa, no, you can't park that and like not address it or unpack it. Or <clears throat> So I think we've got to this place mm. of like where uh, it's become more sophisticated, where blackface looks different now. It's a, a, a code switching and stuff like that. I feel I, I've seen... There's also, like, when I often, I talk to um, people of different classes above me who will start to say, in it and fucking hell. And I'm like, oh, this is, I think this is coming from a place of empathy, but also it just <laughs> feels a bit strange. Like, it just feels strange. Um, but we are living in counselled culture, right? We are living in this time where it's like, you're not, you have not always been a perfect human being, therefore you are deleted from mm. the internet. And I think we do have to get to a place where we can allow, <clears throat> excuse me, apology and we can allow um, uh, people to reform and to change and to move forward and become better people. Um, but 
it does have to come with sincerity and work and labor. They can't just be like, I have, I have wrote one of those like I, um, iPhone notes things, screen grabbed it and put it on Twitter, therefore done. That's not how you do it. Mm. You do it by doing the work. And obviously doing the work is that dismantling of privilege. So I, when it comes to talking about race, having read, read any, ready, any Eddie Lodge, sorry's book, why I'm not going to speak about white people about race, it took me so long to accept it because if someone accepts that, yes, this is, I have white privilege or whatever, it means that you have to relearn the whole of the world and go, oh, maybe I didn't get that job because I was the best. Maybe I had some privileged access to something or maybe this happened because of this. And and it is hard, but you do have to do it. And once you've done it, I do think it Im- improves. I think I see the world so differently from how I did when I was growing up. I genuinely think I've done so much unlearning. And I have this conversation with my friends all the time because my school I went to was one of the most unbelievable schools in the world. And uh, I always used to think private school was amazing. And it is, but it's also, I have literally had to completely dismantle every single thing that I ever learned because the people I was around, irrespective of like, it could have looked like it was diverse, but it was still this echo chamber, which informed so many things that I think are really damaging and really problematic. And if anything, basically keep you living in this the, the idea that the world wants you to live in, which is everything we're talking about today, is I'm not going to apologise for devi- deviating away from trying to fit into a system which fundamentally will only praise you if you're... You can try as hard as you want, but the likelihood is even if you do everything that the world tells you to do, so you're straight and you dress how they want and you stay skinny and you wear the makeup they want you to wear and you wear the clothes, whatever, you're still probably going to get fucked over. And the not apologising part of that is going, well, let's just give it a go and try and have a bit more empathy towards other people. Um, I've kind of gone around about the houses here, but basically this is what the whole podcast has made me realise, that you think that privilege keeps you safe or it feels like keeping your privilege and not accepting others truths will keep you safe if anything it's actually so dangerous because you're living a lie mm. you look shocked sorry no like no it's like um, <laughs> you're <laughs> it's like no a light bulb has gone off in my head where i'm like wow that's what's going on in their brains yeah so Same. like thank you for like sharing that because now i can s- slightly understand a bit better why people feel like they're being robbed particularly when we're talking about privilege mm. so this is why it's really important right that we have like these chats that we have these different life experiences, and we don't just shut each other down mm. um okay <laughs> wow <laughs> we're gonna move on to this section there's gonna be a floating microphone so please put your hand in the air if you have any questions over here? Amazing. You guys all doing okay? Am I the only warm one in here? Are you hot? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. I'm very hot and I don't want to get my gin and tonic, so I've definitely got massive sweat patches. Like, <laughs> Hi. Hi. Uh, I guess this is mainly to an only my question, but you've spoken a lot about, even just then, talking about how you are so more aware now of your privilege. Have you ever been tempted or feel like you should apologise for that? Because I feel like, you know, all your podcasts and all the stuff you talk about is all about understanding privilege, really. Mm. And, like, everyone else's lives that, you know, you're trying to learn about. Do you not, like, when you're talking about it, find it hard to not be, like, apologising that you're so privileged? Because that's what I find hard. 
Totally. It's a really good question. It goes back to what Scotty said, um, his point, I think, about when someone stands up and they think they can just apologise and park it. The reason I don't apologise, and it's in Rene Eddie Lodge's book as well, it's a, it's a, it's a really good question because actually when I first learned about race, you want to apologise on behalf of every white person. But apologising is fundamentally pointless and doesn't do anything. What would do something is if someone was raced on a bus, you stood up and you went, you don't fucking speak to someone like that etc you start you stop co-signing racist behavior if you want to feel apologetic for the fact that you're posh you change the way that you vote you act your actions promote a change just because i'm it's, i wasn't it's not my fault that i'm born white and it's not my fault that i'm rich but it is my fault if i continue to perpetuate levels of hierarchy or um what's the word disparity in wealth or if I, if basically if I if I carry on to do all the things that are the negative parts of my privilege then yeah I should apologize but what I'm the apology if you say to a person of color oh I'm really sorry I'm white that doesn't stop racism mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean so it's I know what you mean because when you learn about it the guilt is one of the hardest things that's the first thing that happens when you understand racism as a white person you get all this guilt and you want to put it somewhere but the last place you should put your guilt is on a person of colour and go, here's my apology, take my shame, I shall now be absolved and carry on my day. Do you know, because I think that's kind of what it does. And I did apologise a lot at the beginning, but now I don't. I'm not sorry that I'm privileged. I'm sorry for the times when I've done something that's fucked up. Does that, do you know what I mean? Does yeah, that make yeah, sense? That and you sort of saying, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just spat. <laughs> Does anyone else have any other questions for anyone? Oh yeah, Dan Hepsland. Thank you. Um, I have a question for Scotty. Um, just in regard to what you were saying about polyamory, um, I know you alluded briefly to kind of destigmatizing the idea of jealousy in that situation, but um, as you spoke about someone who suffers with mental health problems, I wondered if you've ever experienced anything kind of like any difficulty with having multiple partners and if that's affected your mental health? Great question. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, and, and because of the setup that I have, there's open communication and it also means that everybody has to feel comfortable with everything that's going on. So when I have had moments of crisis, um, and I use that language because it's like something uh, immediately happens that like throws everything up in the air and that makes me behave in a certain way. Um, I just, I can, I know I have the ability to say to a partner, can you not go on dates this week? Is that okay? Um, and they also have the ability to say, no, I don't think that's fair. Like we all have a conversation mm. about it. I actually feel very supported in the relationships that I currently have. And I have had relationships where I haven't. And um, perhaps my trust was abused actually. And I've learned from that. Um, so yeah, they, they have coincided with each other, but because of open dialogue, because of everyone knowing they can, uh, they have the right to say what's comfortable for them and what their boundaries are, often it means that support is sent my way or in the way of the partner that is in need of it. Understanding it's not about policing somebody, it's just about um, the sort of small plaster that might just help as uh, being less distracting at that time so that you can do your self-care and your wellness to get you to a place of stability. To mm. answer your question. Yeah, thank you. Also to that, I guess, the, with mental health, the, the irony being like, the more that you push down, 
the worse it is. So at least if you're able to access the fact that you would rather be polyamorous would be better than like not doing it. Does that? Yeah. Well, there, there are there are currently two people looking out for my well being. Oh yeah. <laughs> there are two people that are able to offer lots of different supports mm. and a current boyfriend actually um is the real product of like he was raised by two lesbians his mums and um one of them's a mental health worker and he's the first person that i've said to oh i'm in therapy and he's gone he went congratulations and i was like everyone needs to be raised by mental health working lesbians (laughs) i think that makes sense i agree um any other questions from the room oh yeah the back there amazing Hi, um, I wanted to ask a bit more about, or sort of, if you have further thoughts on the challenge of having the privilege, but when it comes to like the corporate space, because where I work and where a lot of people I know work, the like lack of diversity there is on paper, they're trying to challenge it. But then I find it weird because on one hand, you've got like the social media space, we have like really amazing discussions and how that transfers into the, the city space. And especially like in London, there are, you talk about London being like a metropolitan space, but then... For a lot of like corporate jobs, London is not a, a space where people can afford to live and do those jobs. And I wonder if you'd had like interactions from as being like an arts person with how you can like bring that more effectively into some corporates. I don't any more thoughts because that's the bit that I find difficult is the bringing it into more corporate spaces. I did a corporate gig that I made them sign a, a non-disclosure that they couldn't say that had worked for them. A major conglomerate that uh, uh, exists uh, across the globe. Um, And they wanted to get their six CEOs together and have a conversation um, about diversity. Um, So I gave them a game, I made a game um, where they had to ask each other questions and they had to ask each other how how much the other person thought they earned. And then the person had to respond and then the questions just became more and more around socialism and the workforce. So I think the arts can be a really good way of disrupting those spaces. And I really welcome when those sort of team away days are based around like, okay, let's put the cat amongst the pigeons. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I also think like um, apprenticeships are really valuable. My brother is working class guy. Um, he is in an apprenticeship uh, at the city of London, very corporate environment. Um, and he's an got been given a job as a result of it um, so th- those initiatives as well can be other ways um, of like us looking at a class and also the workforce yeah I, I think also if you're talking about being within it it comes down to like we talk about privilege but then you also got to think about like you might have societal privilege but your personal power within a f- workforce might be that you're like the lowest rung and you probably might not have any jurisdiction or any say and it's not for anyone f- to say like you should quit your job because like that's your job so I think that as much as it might feel like we're basically we're hypocrites all the time in in so many different ways much like I was saying like sustainable fashion vegan thing but if you're worried about corporate spaces you don't have to do it within your own work like you could say to your boss I'd be interested in seeing more diversity in the workplace I think it'd be really helpful but a bit like what Scott is saying if, if you channel your energy into other areas that link back into so maybe you could talk to your work about whether or not they do apprenticeships, but you could also look into what, how to vote to make corporate spaces more diverse, but also doing things outside of your job. I think sometimes you can't take everything with you everywhere. I think that you can't wear every hat in every room. And when I'm on social media, I am often talking about these things, 
but not every single conversation I have with my friends is woke. We might spend half an hour talking about why do people bleach their bum holes? Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you can't always be switched on. And I think, I think that awareness, I think the fact that you're looking around your office and going, do you know what this could do with a shake-up is great because it's harking back to exactly what Shah said, like, why are people not noticing? So I think the noticing is the first step. I think the action is the second step, but I don't think the action has to happen all the time. Do you know what mm. I mean? Should we take one, one last question? At the top, I've, oh, sorry. Okay, go. Um, so it's a bit about what you were talking about earlier. So uh, I've spoken about privilege with a bit of my family before, and um, I find it quite a difficult conversation because some of my like direct parents won't accept that they've come from a position of privilege and that I've come from a position of privilege because it's sort of what you were talking about before. They're very much working class, like granddads are called minors, so absolutely clear you have absolutely zero privilege. But that's completely not true. And obviously my privilege is that I grew up with these parents that have made me go to work really hard to go to school, but also that I'm a white, cisgendered woman that's been brought up with my parents. And I think that it's really, really difficult to um, get them to acknowledge it. So how do you sort of get them to acknowledge that when they've worked so hard to come from one place where they're not privileged? It's sort of what you were talking about earlier. So they've worked really hard to get out of like not having any money to where they've got money now. But how do you make them recognise the rest of their privilege that they've actually just been born into? Is this like socio-economic privilege, as yeah, in their class? Exactly, yeah. um, well, bring them to my show. <laughs> There's this great line in it, which I love, which when I perform to Northern audiences, I say, and just because you've got a Northern accent doesn't make you work in class. Yeah. And like, the whole room goes, huh? It's <laughs> all part of our identity. Um, um, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, I do come from the school of thought, but the bed that you were born in and the environment that you grew up in is the class that you retained for yeah. your life. I don't think you... I think you can... Your children can transcend the class that you are, um, but, and you can gain capital. Like, I've got cultural capital. I've now started to get a bit of financial capital that I can pay my bills. Um, but I will always be a working class person the first 30 years of my life that I lived in social housing that happened you know I've got working class teeth the way that I talk you know what I mean these things don't like suddenly dissipate um so in some respects perhaps your parents there is a, there's a there is a rightness there that they, mm. they are working class uh or they might feel it of uh, but um yeah bring them to my show I also, I just want to add one thing, because I think this is what we all struggle with, which is basically sometimes we talk about something, whether it's race or class or privilege, and we take it so personally, but it's not really necessarily... So you can struggle. You could be the richest, poshest, most lucky person in the world, but you could have the most awful things happen to you and you could face the biggest atrocities. Neither of those things cancel out each other. And I think sometimes when we talk about privilege, people feel like what you're saying is your whole life has been perfect and you're so lucky that you shouldn't complain. It's not. It's about how systemically do you fit into this model. Even the fact that we're all sat in London, so much privilege, can afford these tickets, so much privilege. Born in the UK, all of these things, you could bring it wider and wider and you could take it as wide as you need it to go before they click and re recognise that it's it's not an attack. It's not you telling them that they're wrong or that anything they do is is wrong. It's just rejigging your understanding of the world so you have a tiny bit more nuance to it. And I think that we've got to recognise that your privilege and your systemic and whatever parts are here and then your life that you live 
can be just as fantastic or just as awful, no matter what your starting place is. It, would you agree with, with that? Yeah, I think when people say the word privilege, they get the wrong end of the stick a lot. Mm. And they don't think about the fact that most of the time when we talk about privilege, it's systemic privilege. Mm. Um, so I think just, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier is that sometimes there needs to be more of a middle ground for people that are not in the echo chamber and also <clears throat> people that just don't want to learn about it. So for example, like, um, I think there should be more stuff on... You know, like when Monroe goes on the TV, it's yeah. like people that wouldn't normally see a transgender woman or that kind of thing yeah. would get a fresh understanding. And the way that she talks about things is so that it's not dumbing it down, but it's just not so complicated. And I think there needs to be more talk surrounding privilege that is easier to understand and just takes away the fact that it doesn't mean that like you're rich. Like yeah. it literally doesn't mean that you're rich. It just means that systemically you are higher like and you get more opportunities um i was just gonna say perhaps um you could get your parents to watch two films one of them which is peterloo which is a mike lee film that looks at the peterloo massacre that happened in manchester um and is a very historic piece of work and then ken loach's new film sorry that we missed you which looks at the gig economy and what's happening now mm. and uh, that's definitely framed a difference of class in my head as somebody who's not part of the gig economy that's not trying to stay awake whilst delivering the asos delivery that's likely to be coming to my door and made me really recognize the people that are coming to my door that I just see as a service and not as a human and um, so those could be, I, I know you sort of asked there for sort of tangible things mm. so I thought oh I'll try and give you something tangible amazing yeah. I'll put those in the show notes of the episode as well um okay I think we're coming to a close now thank you so much for being such a lovely audience I just wanted to ask you guys do you have anything you want to plug and where may people find you online or IRL if you have any shows or anything uh, my personal Instagram is Elise Shaw and girls will be boys underscore and we have t-shirts thank you watch our films um, yeah just check me out on Instagram cool have you got any panels or anything that people can come to coming up um like Google Calendar is my life so if it's not in front of my face <laughs> I don't know what's going on tomorrow <laughs> honestly like I think I'm doing a radio show next week um, but everything is on my Instagram and my website is gwbb.com amazing thank you Scotty uh, I'm Scotty is fat on the internet um, just to like really put it out there hi guys this is who I am um, and uh, my show Class will be touring the UK and Canada from February onwards um, and there are lots of different events that sit around that um, and lots of stuff digital stuff that happens around that show as well and you've also got your mural which I need to come and see yeah so we just did an occupation of my council estate um, I still call it my council estate I don't live there my nan lives there and I grew up there um, and I left there a couple of years ago where we worked with a bunch of working class queer folk to create an occupation um so 30 foot long 30 meter long wall where we create a political mural um, um which looks beyond queerness and asks communities that go past that every day um about unity and togetherness and how that might be achieved um so that is in north london um currently amazing thank you so much guys please make sure to register to vote if you have not and um make it a good one i am gonna probably pop out for a little drink afterwards but i'm gonna go and de-sweat a little bit so i might see outside <laughs> if you want to but thank you so much for coming
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.